has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. Low back pain is one of the most common disabilities in the Western world. In fact, it affects about 80% of Americans at some point during their lives. The costs are massive, and estimated somewhere between $100 to $200 billion annually. The causes are complex, but discogenic pain, or pain that comes from the intervertebral discs, accounts for most of the cases of chronic low back pain. Medicines, physical therapy, and even spinal fusion or artificial disc replacements have been used to treat disc pain in the back. But a recently developed and minimally invasive therapy called intradiscal biacuplasty may offer certain patients an exciting alternative. It uses radiofrequency waves to treat pain in the discs, and we'll find out how. Our first guest, Chris Morbido, talks about the benefits of biacuplasty on his life after suffering for more than a year with low back pain. Then Dr. Leo Caporal of Wake Forest University Health Sciences shares the benefits of this cutting-edge technology for low back pain. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Purdue Pharma, and Boston Scientific. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. If you have any questions or comments for Dr. Christo, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drpaulchristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. Chris Morabito is an engineer from South Carolina. Like many of us with low back pain, he tried the traditional approaches, but found the most relief from this new therapy called intradiscal biacuplasty. Let's find out what happened and how his life has changed for the better. Chris, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you very much. You were a triathlete for several years before your injury. I mean, you were an avid athlete, but but tell us what happened to your low back. I was training with a couple of friends um, on the track, and my daughter was out there. She was actually doing a little bit of training as well. She, she kind of convinced me that, uh, hey, let's, Daddy, let's go over and do a long jump. Mm-hmm. And I just said, oh, sure, that sounds great. Yeah. And um, kind of launched into one and with absolutely no form <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> and hit, kind of felt a couple of pops or pulses and didn't think much of it. But a couple of days later, I was out running and felt a pretty severe um, pains down the leg. Just odd. You know, I hadn't felt that before. So evidently, I had done damage to two of the lower lower discs. Well, and you were pretty young when this happened. I think you mentioned you were in your mid-40s. Chris, did you fall after the long jump or, or not? No, I just, I just I just hit really hard and evidently have some disc degeneration. And um, I do a kind of long distance driving in my job and lifting and things like that. So on the combination of, of trying to run and then the drives, uh, it got to be pretty excruciating. Mm, it sounds like it. It's sort of scary to think that our spines, in effect, could be at risk for pain due to uh, disc degeneration. You told me earlier that uh, you then went to a chiropractor and then a neurosurgeon. And then after the neurosurgeon, you did some physical therapy. Uh, 
Uh, did you get an MRI? And, and if so, what did that show? Yes, uh, they weren't full-blown herniations from what I understand, but fissures. And they definitely showed that, that there was a level where I've lost a lot of fluid uh-huh. you know, in the disc and actually just doesn't have quite the structure that, that a healthy disc has. Right. And what you're describing uh, is called disc degeneration. It's the lack of fluid, for example, in the discs that cause those fissures or tears and gaps in the disc that can lead to pain. And, yes. and Chris, how long had your back hurt? This was going on for probably about a year. Well, and tell us what you tried to do to get some relief. Anti-inflammatories. Um, I had some muscle relaxer, which I never really liked to take at all, mm-hmm. but if it got to be pretty excruciating, I would occasionally take those. Yeah. The Tylenol-3 or the Tylenol-codeine, those, those kind of things, yeah. They would only really kind of ask it a little bit, but it, it really wouldn't go away. Well, Chris, what about surgery? I mean, did you, did you consider uh, fusion or even artificial disc replacement? I wanted nothing to do with that unless I really absolutely had to. Right. You know, how did the disc pain uh, limit your life? I stopped running. I would get out and bike, and that was that was actually fairly helpful, mm-hmm. but just felt limited in that. And I have to lift equipment and I have to drive. Driving was, was a nightmare. I almost had a, a fear of really, really screwing something yeah. up if I did the wrong kind of twist or bend or, you know, sitting in any about any chair possible is going to that was potentially going to cause pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I have many patients who will say that just one single event that created pain has changed their life. And you're sort of describing that as well. You know, Chris, how, how bad or how intense was the pain? Uh, it, it would get pretty, pretty excruciating. Mm. It was always there. And then it, it wouldn't just be that day. But it would kind of accumulate over several days and get worse and worse. Yeah, it's the, it's the chronicity of the pain that can be so grueling. Uh, Chris, how did you first find out about disc by acuplasty? Another friend had seen an article and he says it talks about this guy that was an extreme long distance runner mm-hmm. and he was able to get back into running. What was most appealing to you about the procedure? Well, the big thing was that it's very, very low evasive. It's not something permanent like a surgery. Yes, I mean, that is very appealing. So to summarize, you had low back pain for at least a year or more, and the MRI showed degenerative discs at L4-5 and 5-1 with some herniation. And you went to a pain specialist, and the pain specialist evaluated you and um, decided that you would be a candidate for disc by acuplasty. Hey, Chris, take us now into a treatment session. You're basically laying on your stomach, and they um, so they're watching the X-ray as they're placing the discs, sorry, the, um, the probes mm-hmm. into the lateral areas of the disc. They use a radio frequency to actually create current and create heat through the disc. Right. But there's specialized cooling that will not let the probes create enough heat where it can cause damage. Exactly. That's a great description. And in fact, those probes are placed not only on the sides of the discs, but uh, toward the back of the discs as well. Uh, Chris, what's your understanding of how it works? It helps close the fissures that can allow the disc to heal and also to mm-hmm. temporarily decommission the nerves that are inside the disc. Right. We have to take a break, but when we come back, we'll talk to Chris about how painful this procedure actually is. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, the global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives. Reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. And we're back. Chris, tell us what the experience of having these two probes placed in the sides and back of your discs was like. 
sort of fuzzy. You know, you're sort of in that partial station so that if something does go to an extreme, then you can tell them, hey, whoa, it was fairly quick. You know, it was, it really, really wasn't a whole lot other than maybe just a, uh, a bit of pain uh, yeah. when I think when they, they're slowly ramping up the temperature from under the current. Right, exactly. Most patients are sedated for this procedure, but, but still awake so they can respond to the physician in case they need to. Chris, when did you say, gosh, uh, this biacuplasty really reduced my back pain? You know, the next day or two, it was pretty quick. Yeah. There was a, a few hours and then maybe that evening of a little bit of discomfort, but it was pretty quickly. After wow, that. that is pretty quick. Uh, Chris, how much, uh, how much relief have you had in total from this procedure? I think it's given me full recovery. And how about the pain and the numbness in your legs? That's pretty much gone too. If I push it a little too hard, you know, as far as lifting and things like that, I just have to be careful. Um, yeah. Percentage-wise, I don't feel any of the pain uh, from driving. Occasionally, I'll push it where I have to go from Newport News, Virginia, down to Charlotte. And then the next day, I'd go from there to Chattanooga, Tennessee. So there'd be like back-to-back, you know, six-hour drive. Mm-hmm. And then um, get up the next day and do another six-hour drive, and then do a, a full demonstration, you know, going into a, a customer, uh, lift, you know, lifting equipment up, putting it back in the car, going back and driving again. Yeah. I'll get some stiffness, but nothing even compared to what I did before. Wow, it's really encouraging to hear that a year or slightly over a year after you had the disc intradiscal biacuplasty, that not only do you have significant pain relief, but your function is significantly improved. And Chris, uh, you mentioned earlier that you didn't have any complications from the procedure, but is there anything you didn't like about it? Other than making me try to be still and not do too much for the first uh, couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Even putting a back brace on, they want you to wear one for several weeks. So in the scheme of things, it's, it, was, it was fairly yeah, minor. Yeah, it is fairly minor. Were you able to return to uh, running and biking? You now, running still puts quite a lot of pressure. I'm going to gradually to build that back up. And we got, you know, we got to where we were doing even 80-mile rides to, to prepare. Wow, that, that's pretty incredible. How long did it take you after the procedure to resume uh, working and driving as before? They wanted you to be, I believe it was about a month um, before you really started driving. And then the first sign of feeling something just back right, off. Right, exactly. You know, you had discogenic pain or pain that was caused by the discs for over a year that, that caused low back pain and some leg pain and some other leg symptoms. Uh, you had the disc biacuplasty procedure. And I'm wondering now, what has the impact been on your life? Really, literally sitting for more than... 20 or 30 minutes would be just miserable. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the car for hours, and it's much better. Good for you. You know, before we wrap up, many Americans suffer from low back pain, and that low back pain is often due to discogenic disease. What would you tell those who are listening who are considering disc biacuplasty? Oh, I would have gotten rid of, rid of a lot of the misery. I, I don't sit back and wait, hope for, hoping it's going to get better. Great advice. And Chris, I want to thank you for joining us today on Aches and Gates. Thank you for your call. Up next is Dr. Leo Caporal, expert in treating discogenic pain. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Follow us on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. Welcome back. 
Dr. Leo Caporal is the medical director of the Chronic Pain Center at Wake Forest University Health Sciences. His expertise and research focuses on managing pain related to problems with the disc, like degenerative disc disease and herniated discs. Dr. Caporal, welcome to Aches and Gains. So thank you much. Disc by acuplasty is used to help treat one of the most common disabilities in the Western world, back pain. It specifically helps treat pain that comes from the intervertebral discs in the low back. Uh, Leo, would you describe a disc for us? Well, the disc consists of two parts, and uh, there is a hard part that is basically a ring around the soft uh, gel part, which is called uh, nucleus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the annulus is that hard part that uh, usually is the uh, uh, target for our treatments, but also uh, the place where frequently this pain develops. Exactly. That that harder part uh, is called the annulus fibrosis, and that harder part uh, surrounds the central gelatinous part called the nucleus pulposus. And Leo, you know, with injuries or even just the normal wear and tear that comes with the aging process, what happens to the disc to cause chronic back pain? As it loses the height and the water, uh, little uh, cracks Mm -hmm. inside the disc can form. We call those fissures. Right. Well, the fissures themselves may not cause any pain. Any degeneration may not cause any pain. Mm -hmm. um, We don't know exactly who are these folks who will get the pain versus those who will not. Exactly. I mean, it's a little scary to realize that we don't know or or patients don't know whether they may or may not develop uh, degenerative disc disease and low back pain. So in effect, then, we have sensory nerves that provide sensation to the outer part of the disc called the annulus. And when the discs degenerate or get damaged, it leads to cracks or fissures in this outer layer. In time, uh, we think that the injury leads to the release of some inflammatory molecules called cytokines, and that in turn leads to some nerve sprouting from the outer layer of the disc, even to the central gelatinous part of the disc. And Leo, what's the new thinking on what causes the feeling of pain in the disc? Multiplication of the pain receptors along this crack Mm -hmm. or the fissure. The other mechanism that we widely accept is the leak of certain substances from that jelly part from the nucleus right. that cause more of the irritation. So it's sort of like a vicious circle of uh, generating of the pain with the high pressures, multiplication of the pain receptors and formation of that uh, crack inside the, inside the disc. Great description. So in effect, then, we think that there are two mechanisms for pain. One, that there's an increase in the number of pain receptors along those fissures or cracks inside the disc. And two, there's a release of inflammatory molecules called cytokines from that gelatinous part of the disc to the uh, fissures or gaps in the disc. Uh, and Leo, you know, how, how often actually is the disc a source of low back pain? If you look at the epidemiological studies from early 90s, mm-hmm. and they suggested about 20, 25% of all of the back pains can come from the disc. Itself. Well, you know, some may say, well, 25% really isn't that big. If you're talking about such an enormous population of the patients across the country who have a back pain, right. back pain is the number one uh, source of the pain uh, in, in a working population in this country. Mm-hmm. Excellent point. And now, Leo, let's focus on disc by acuplasty. Uh, how does it relieve discogenic pain, which most people call disc pain? We 
tend to believe that heating the posterior annulus in a larger area in controlled fashion can basically kill those pain receptors that multiply in the posterior annulus. Right. Uh, the less likely mechanism is that when I mentioned those cracks in the back of the, the disc, those can be melted and closed, but we don't know if this is additional mechanism or not. Mm-hmm. So in effect, then, you have these two probes, or uh, what are called cooled radiofrequency electrodes, that are placed uh, in the sides and the back of the discs under X-ray guidance. And Leo, uh, what do we know about whether the receptors, those pain receptors that are heated and destroyed, can regenerate? They could. Uh, the the interesting thing about this is that uh, we had those patients now that we treated from 2006, and they still maintain their pain relief. That's impressive, and it shows the potential, I think, of this uh, new technology for the treatment of low back pain. When we place these probes into the back of the discs, the machine produces heat that travels to the sides and the rear of the disc. Leo, tell us what the uniqueness about this system is, though, in terms of its cooling mechanism. Oh, yeah. What happens is that if you want to deliver more of the disc being burned, you need to do it in a very controlled fashion because you could basically cause the damage to the spinal cord or to to nerve element. Right. But across the world, I'm sure now there must be about 40 or 50,000, and still nobody caused any nerve damage with biacoplasty, which is amazing. That is amazing and important to know that out of, what, 40 to 50,000 procedures done worldwide, why that there really have not been any significant complications uh, from this procedure. Uh, I want to mention that uh, disc biacuplasty is FDA approved for the treatment of disc pain in the low back in the United States. And that, the, you know, what's interesting is that the temperatures reach about 70 degrees Celsius, which is 158 degrees Fahrenheit between the two electrodes that are placed in the back of the disc. Leo, on average, how much pain relief have you seen from disc biacuplasty? Average, uh, at least from the study we just finished, is almost about 50%. Wow, that's pretty high. Uh, and how about their activity level? They can do much more. They actually go from from uh, severe or disability to moderate to minimal disability. That's great news. And that paper that you referred to is actually a pretty high-quality study that you authored uh, in the journal Pain Medicine on biacuplasty. Uh, Leo, tell us what you found in terms of how long patients had the relief after the uh, procedure. Those patients who actually got the relief the, from the procedure, they maintained, most of them maintained their pain relief at one year. Yeah. But I do have experience with almost... Uh, 600 patients that I did biacoplasty from 2006. Mm-hmm. Some of the first patients that I did, uh, they still maintain their pain relief at six or seven years ago. Yeah, that's a that's a long time afterwards. Uh, you know, I have. Uh, what do you say to patients, for example, when they say, "Look, can I resume what I once did? Can I go back to exercising? Can I play golf, for example?" Uh, yes, uh, they can. Uh, they have to be very careful. You know, I had a football player who went back to play football, re-injured himself, and we couldn't help him uh, again. And you have to keep in mind that we are not fixing your uh, damaged disc. We are eliminating the pain to build the core muscles, uh, paraspinal muscles, do your proper exercises, and uh, give you a chance to avoid any surgical procedure. Exactly. I mean, I tell patients that their spine is still at risk and that they need to protect it. Dr. Caporal, 
When, do, in your experience, do patients begin to experience some uh, relief from this procedure? The profound pain relief is seen uh, within about four weeks after the procedure. I've seen patients describe a difference at about two weeks, and then it becomes more intense thereafter, as you've described. So in summary, the biacuplasty takes about 25 minutes and is an outpatient procedure that does require sedation. I haven't, had, I haven't seen any complications from this procedure, Leo. Have you? Interestingly enough, no, except the minor aches that probably are related to the placement of the needle. Uh, and these are usually myofascial, sort of like a trigger point in the back. Exactly. I've seen that too. Uh, Dr. Caporal, have you repeated disc biacuplasty and how often? Yes. How often? I, I just can't tell you. Any access inside a disc with any uh, sharp object mm-hmm. can cause further damage to the disc. So repeating it, yes, you can do it, but I wouldn't do it every six months or a year. I think yeah. that the procedure should provide sustained pain relief for quite a few years to come. And Leo, people listening are probably wondering, well, should I try this? Am I a good candidate? Yeah, so these are usually younger folks who have one level degenerated or even two who have no other changes on their spines. Mm-hmm. So also, they don't have any other causes of the lower back pain. Right. That includes the um, significantly herniated disc or, or spinal stenosis or sacroiliac joint pain. We so much better results in those who maintain their weight within mm-hmm. a normal range. So if there is somewhat increased uh, what we call BMI, they will have much uh, lesser responses to the procedure itself. Exactly. You know, and I think it's important to mention that patients typically should try other measures before disc by acuplasty, like physical therapy, exercises, maybe even traction, and certain medicines to help reduce their pain. And if that fails, then this is a, an important alternative. Dr. Caporal, would you recommend that patients try disc biacuplasty before spinal fusion or even an artificial disc replacement? I, I do. I truly believe that having a massive surgery with six months recovery time versus minimal invasive approach of 20 minutes, which has a better success rate, I mean, uh, I would definitely choose uh, uh, former first. Mm-hmm. And the same for artificial disc. Uh, same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, this is sort of controversial, but I really do wonder whether biacuplasty could be used as an alternative to fusion or disc replacement. I mean, we can both hear the spine surgeon saying, what? Well, I mean, this is something that we have an upcoming whole other biological treatments that I tend to believe will be a thing of the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, namely, we are talking about something that we call cytokine inhibitors, then um, stem cells, then some of the growth factors. All of those are now in the making. Yeah. So currently, if somebody gets the fusion or disc replacement, especially if they're young and they maintain the good height of the disc, they burn the bridges for those regenerative procedures of the future. Mm-hmm. And I tend to believe of those 15 or 16 different trials that are ongoing, at least one or two of them may become approved by the FDA in the future. Stem cell therapy is an exciting new biologic therapy for the future. And Leo, what is your sense for its ability to treat uh, low back pain from degenerative discs? The problem that I have is that the stem cells, you know, realigning of the collagen fibers inside the disc. And that's all great uh, 
but the the pain receptors will not just disappear. That's right. You know, I'm also intrigued by platelet-rich plasma therapy using microspheres for stopping the progression of disdegeneration. I, I think I think those are some of the part of these great ideas, mm-hmm. and I I look at some of those data over the PRP, and those were pretty impressive. Very true. What about the future of artificial discs? I would say they will be only used in the patients who uh, lost completely their disc height. Mm-hmm. So those patients that really regenerative therapies would not be you know useful. Yes, I think that really gives us a lot to hope for. And Dr. Caporal, I want to thank you so much for joining us today on X. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate your invitation. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.